HavanaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. Hey, BDM. Hello, Michael J. What's going on? Not too much. Just a random Sunday night in New York City. Just, uh, and butts handed to them today. What? Who had their butts handed to them? football, you don't care. I don't care. It's funny that the, the internet just blah, 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 you out, whatever you're saying, up until the word butts. <laughs> butts it got, but like, sports, it didn't got, I mean, there's nothing to talk about on a random Sunday night in New York City slash Canada, is there? No, no, just, uh, just some Theros cards. Theros cards? How many Theros cards? <gasps> All of the Theros cards. All the Theros cards. So, uh, Theros has been spoiled. Like okay. old milk. Yeah. And uh, 249 cards. And we are going to talk about pretty much all of them. I mean, we may skip plain, swamp, mountain, island, and forest. But maybe we won't. Maybe we just talk about it now. So we'll talk about all 249 cards. And we're doing five episodes this week. This is sweet. Um, not for KYT. Why not? Oh, because you got to put it up. you got to put them up. Yeah. So, so it's been pointed out that the last time we did a full, like, multi-episode show with to preview a set was Innistrad. And we got, like, the entire Delver of Secrets deck, like, which on... I would, I would argue, which I would argue is, like, our best season. <laughs> like, on the podcast, we were like, yeah, we would play with this card, with this card together, and this, you know, this would be pretty sweet with this. Hey, this Richanter's pipe looks pretty good. And, like... It, it's funny, um, I think we had it as blue, right? And then uh, Todd Anderson played with Moreland Hunt in a, what was it, a Phantasm's deck? Illusion's deck like the first week. But nobody had Delver of Secrets for, like, months. And then they're, like, obviously, like, put together some combo of Todd's deck. And it, I actually went back and looked at it. Like, the exact configuration of stuff we were talking about playing like over that podcast was just... What ended up being the deck. I mean, other than the fact that we didn't have white. Um, but really, who plays white? I mean, I don't know. Let's find out. We're going to talk right now about Theros white cards. Theros white cards. So there are 37 Theros white cards. And also, I, it, it strikes me that we can't just do five eps and then cover all the cards because there's multicolor, artifact, and land. I was thinking, let's hit land first and then jump back to white. You want to do that? Sure, that sounds fun. All right, so land. There are only seven non-basic lands in Theros. So there are the five dual land cycle. Uh, which, and is the, a, which is a pretty controversial cycle. It's interesting. So let's let's get into it. So Nykthos Shrine to Nyx is not one of the dual land cycle. And we talked about it previously. Um, you were more excited than I was to begin with, but I think I kind of came around. Nykthos Shrine to Nyx is a legendary land, so only can have one in play at any time unless you want to play one on top of it. Um, which, is, which is pretty sweet, by the way. Yeah, so Reed Duke, last week at the Star City Games Legacy Open in Philadelphia, was, as, as far as I know, the first big win 
uh, for a legendary land under the new legendary land rules. Um, obviously, we're talking about Gaius Cradle. He had a game where he was able to play a Gaius Cradle, tap it for eight, uh, attempting to cast a gigantic Green Sun Zenith. His opponent had the Force of Will, but he just played a second Gaius Cradle the same turn and tapped for another eight. Uh, which, so yeah, so uh, obviously uh, that probably put his opponent into Deadsville uh, as Reed won the tournament. Um, but probably, probably into Tiltsville, too. Tiltsville? I mean, yeah, probably into Tiltsville. How long are you really going to tilt? Like, the game's over. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, guys, Cradle for eight. Go get uh, Cradle of Behemoth, kill you. There's all of Monday to still be up, so. <laughs> uh, so. It's on today. I'm on set. Misplay. Sorry. Yeah. He didn't even misplay. He force a willed correctly, but so Brian's a little pixelated sounding. I don't know if the word pixelated actually applies to audio, but we're skyping this because we want to be able to to make it for a Monday uh, up on monodeprived.com. But we anticipate meeting in real life uh, for some of the future episodes of this five episode series. Yeah, so we'll meet a couple times this week. Um, uh, the word lecherous was used in regards to our real life podcasts, and I like that. That. that uh, Brian said, "I'm pretty sure he meant that it was accurate that we're lecherous." Uh, yeah, so that really kind of um, encompasses both the uh, the aspect as well as the the us being old men aspect. Um, and, and the phylactery. Phylactery. Yeah, phylactery lecture. Lichurus. Oh, I, okay, got it. So Nick throws Shrine to Nyx after all of that. Legendary land. Taps to add one to your mana pool, which is... A, I like that ability on on non-basic lands, because I've always hated lands that don't tap for, for anything. You, you, you would like that ability on, say, a Cabal Coffers? If that, if that were on a Cabal Coffers, I mean, I don't think I would have ever lost the match. <laughs> Just... The only time you ever lose with Cabal Coffers is if you're like, oh my god, I can't break even. This is the worst. Why did I keep this two-land hand with both lands for Cabal Coffers? Which I've probably done before. <laughs> um, anyway, Nick throws Shrine to Nyx. Uh, it has an additional ability, which is two-tap. Choose a color, add to your mana pool an amount of mana of that color equal to your devotion to that color. So it is essentially the Cabal Coffers of the devotion mechanic. And Brian liked it a lot, and I, I, I come around. I think it's all right. So if you play this in a black deck and say, hey, you have a dark prophecy in play, I mean, just to, just to keep in mind, you'd be breaking even on So a dark prophecy's got BBB. This is, requires you to tap two plus this. It's three total. BBB, yeah. So you need a little you bit more than that. You three mana to get BBB. But if you have dark prophecy and, say, a Nightfell Spectre... So you're ahead. Right. You, uh... You would, you would coming out, you'd be paying three for six mana. Um, let's see, three, six, three, yep, you're, you're, you're far ahead in that case, and, um, what is that, a real phone? That's a phone. Uh, all right, so, keep on Nick. I think this one's really good. Matt Fiamet was super excited about this card. So. He was, he was really just, uh, getting all, getting all giddy about it. Matt Ferrando has uh, been an innovative deck designer, uh, you know, a couple of times in, in his life. Uh, yeah. Online PTQ winner, uh, 
one of the uh, first people I know who he won with a tokens deck at regionals one year with yeah. Fury Stroke Giant, right? Yeah, yeah, he did. So he's he, a, he also uh, he also had uh, oh, he's a uh, one of the one of the originators of the of the uh, Boros. Um, yeah, I don't remember what the name of the deck was either. It's got that goblin, right? That he comes into play, he's one, and then you pick... Yeah, Bo- Boris Bushwhacker. So he's Boris a co- yeah, yeah. co-originator of the Boris Bushwhacker deck, which of course uh, took... I want to say Pro Tour Hall of Famer Abraham Snapfangers to the top eight of the 2009 World Championships. Is that correct? So, Nick Thos, Shrine, and Nick's. We're keeping this one, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, the next card I want to talk about is one, two, three, four, five, six. Which one is not the so unknown shores? Unknown shores is a, a land, just regular land. Uh, it has again, much like Nykthos Shrine, to Nyx, the ability to tap for one. It has the additional ability of one tap. Add one mana of any color to your mana pool. We've seen cards like this before. We've seen we've seen this card countless times. Uh, uh, you know, you don't even always play this in limited. We've, have we ever seen this card get played in standard? Oh yeah, I'm I'm sure that uh, the the cabal of Chase on, on day two. <laughs> Read Duke. Two words for you, my friend. <laughs> Reed Duke has been on Mono Chapin uh, before, which means that uh, the, the, the lands of this ilk uh, could be played in day two. Also by Pro Tour Hall of Favor Patrick Chapin himself. Um, you got to do what you got to do. Both of them have told me in the past when I've tried to chide them about such a land. But so well, well, keep in mind we're we're losing a lot of metafixing, right? Well, we're losing the uh, the glacial fortress cycle, right? Which uh, a lot of people are big fans of. Um, I believe. Uh, Patrick Sullivan said uh, at one point that it was just the perfect dual land cycle, you know, equal parts punishing and rewarding, really rewarding the things they want to reward, and then, but they don't let you get away with the things that you don't want dual lands to get away with, right? So, I mean, Hollowed Fountain lets you get away with a lot that you're not supposed to get away with, and and Glacial Fortress doesn't, and yet Glacial Fortress is so rewarding when you're playing on plan. But we're also losing Woodland Cemetery, Hinterland Harbor... Um, yeah, the whole cycle, the the macro cycle, sure. Yeah, so I mean that's that's you know a pretty big deal. It could be that if you're trying to do something or trying to answer something at a um, can you repeat that? Sorry, I said suddenly it might be that a card like Unknown Shores will matter because. I think it's a it's a soft keep. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of the of this the the five cards of the of the seven non basic lands are the temple cycle, right? So temple of abandon, temple of deceit, temple of mystery, temple of silence, and temple of triumph. Uh, each one is well, actually they're uh, they're inconsistent, right? So this implies that this is a macro cycle of of ten lands, right? Right. Implication. So Temple of Abandon 
uh, is red and green. Temple of Deceit is blue and black. Temple of Mystery is green and blue. Temple of Silence is white and black. Temple of Triumph is red and white. So we have what looks like... Um, three opposite and two allied. Three opposite and two allied. And each of these lands is uh, templated the same. Temple of Ya 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 enters the battlefield tapped, and then when Temple of Blah 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 enters the battlefield, Scry One. Um, we talked a few weeks ago about Naya Blitz, and that sent some of our listeners into a blitz, right? Well, Rootbound Craig is going to rotate. I don't know what you're talking about. And we're like, well, we're, we're, we assume that. Some cycle of dual lands is going to take the place of Rootbound Crag. We were correct, but these lands are, in fact, not appropriate to uh, Naya Blitz. But they're kind of awesome for, if you're a blue-black or a black-white mage, maybe to a lesser extent, a green-blue mage, I think that you're going to get some mileage out of these lands. Temple of Abandoned Naya Blitz. (laughs) (laughs) You're abandoning Naya Blitz real quick. Uh, so when you play Temple of Deceit, you, uh, you have to say, uh, scry me an underground river. Um, you can do that. That's, uh, well within your, your, your range. So, I, I mean, uh, keeps, I would say. They're all keeps. They're obviously all gonna find a home in standard. Um, you know, I expect the blue-black one and the black-white one will be the, out of this cycle. Probably the two most uh, gobbled up, you know? Yeah, I think red-green and red-white are going to be not very played at this stage. Actually, red-white might get played because blue-red-white is a pretty common strategy, so that that might go in the blue-red-white deck. Uh, But uh, I, I would guess that those are the less commonly played of the Temple Cycle at this point. Uh, I think, you know, hard keep on the blue-black, three-quarters erect keep on the black-white, you know, medium keep on the the green-blue, and then soft keeps, I would say, on red-green and red-white. Yeah, I I think I agree with that. Keeps all around. So all seven lands, I think, softest keep on unknown shores, but still not a delete, right? Very soft keep, though. It's close. Um... devotions share so so um my read of how standard at least is going to flow is that we're seeing cards like strongkirk noble rotate we're replacing them with powerful cards like the god cycle even if we're going to see active decks my guess is that the the standard games are going to slow down a little bit um that's my hope uh, and then, you know, they're going to reward us with being able to play some cool cards, but they're going to be cool yet not as super speedy cards, maybe, as we've seen uh, in the last two years. Yeah, I mean, obviously, everything is slower than Delver of Secrets, right? Sure. So. Oh, oh no, I mean, to be fair, there's still, you know, a pretty aggressive cool deck out there. 
I agree with you and would point out well, that... Mostly mono red gruel deck, right? I, I mean, I was actually going to say, uh, you know, when I think of gruel right now, I think of Dragon Master Red Green, and I, I think of Flint Hoof Boar, Strangle Root Geist, Thunder Maw Hellkite, all of these, these creatures, uh, Hell Rider, uh, are all rotating. The, the hasty wing of, uh, of, of the gruel set are all, every one of those cards is going to be rotating. And, and I think they're replaced by more, more methodical, I, I would say, uh, aggro cards. Like, um, what's the name of the one drop we like in red? A, a Crozen something? Uh, a Crone uh, Crusader? Yeah, a Crone Crusader, for example. Right? So this guy, um, you know, not to jump into red too, too practically. He's, he's R for a 1-1. One, one. He's got Heroic. Whenever you cast a spell that targets a Crone Crusader, put a 1-1 one, one Red Soldier creature token with haste onto the battlefield. Now, that, that's a potentially aggressive guy, but it's, it's asking for some investment that we didn't see in the past. But you're certainly opening yourself up, right? So, you're like, here's a Crone Crusader... I'm going to drop a blah on it. You know, I'm going to say the word Rancor, but you know, it means whatever. Whatever you're going to stick on it. You're giving your opponent a window to zap him in response. Um, obviously, there, there's still going to be a heroic uh, trigger there, but... No, I'm casting a, a Rancor or whatever. Oh, I see, I see. Put a heroic trigger, and then you zap the guy in response. And I still get the heroic trigger. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, I don't, I don't have a a blowout yet. And maybe I'm wrong about the the world getting a little bit slower when you have cards like a Crone Crusader, but you I mean sure they're they're late midrange. I mean just we'll we'll talk about this more, but like there's cards still like in M fourteen like Ogre Battle Driver and Scourge and Malchus that, you know, are not insignificant cards. I like I like Scourge of Alcus. I, I think he's an underrated dragon. I think that um the only reason that that he's rated the way that he is at present is because he's competing with Thundermaw. And, and com- this is why people did play Thundermaw out there. Yeah. They're like, eh, this doesn't do what I want it to do, whatever that was. Oh, it, it did whatever you wanted it to do, yeah, <laughs> eventually. But people didn't believe that at first, if you recall. That was not a card that saw a lot of play right away. Uh, I think it was relatively quick, but I, I take your meaning. I mean, Patrick Chapin was all over that card. He said it was the new Bane Slayer Angel the first right. time he, he saw he, it. He was correct. Most other people were wrong. Yeah. So, after um, the first, I don't know, what is this, 18, 19 minutes of this podcast, let's get to white. Battle White's Valor is a common one and a doe and a white instant target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn, scry one. So this is a, kind of an unconditional uh, buff spell. The guy doesn't have to be attacking or blocking yours, yeah. theirs, nothing. Correct. You can just cast it. Yeah. Scorch seems really good to me. You know, you, yeah, you can just use it on your opponent's creature at end of turn to... To scry. You know, to scry and get a look at the, what's coming up. I think it's unlikely I would use it to do that very often. Yeah, I, I'll, I'm, think, I'm thinking I can see doing it in limited. How much do you think all this, uh, this scry... When you're dying for a land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All this scry that we're getting, how's that going to coincide with miracles in slightly bigger formats? Do you think it's going to make any difference at all? That's going to be interesting, for sure. Uh, it's certainly going to be interesting. I mean, the, the, the miracles are, are going away, right? Yeah, yeah, in standard, there's no... But it's going to be something there's going to be a whole uh, river of scry offered. Yeah, maybe. Like, 
damage at you. Oh, there's my bonfire. Okay, throw a bonfire. I mean, that was possible, though, right? Magma Jet was was legal in whatever format you're going to play Bonfire in that's not standard. I'm thinking about it. So... But that was that. Not a card you're gonna play and construct it. We're not gonna. I, I mean, I'm semi tempted. Actually, there's there's upside on this. If you're if you're playing like a a creature deck that can cast this, and you're playing against um, maybe kind of a little bit of a slower removal deck that has red removal, um, I, I can imagine things being worse yeah. than battle wise battle. But I guess I guess there's just. There's, there seems to be enough cards to do that. Although, I mean, it's kind of interesting to play a deck where you you maybe sacrifice a little bit of efficiency on your mana cost to just constantly be zipping through your deck and pushing cards down. Like, it, uh, it's a little expensive. Yeah, yeah let's, let's, let's delete this. Delete. All right, delete, delete. All right. Uh, Cavalry Pegasus, a card we've already talked about. We've previously deleted this one, right? Yes. Archon, I think this was also a delete. Um, delete. Yeah. Uh, Interox is definitely a save. I really like this card a lot. Well, change your, well, you, you jumped Celestial Archon. Oh, I was, I said, I thought you said delete Celestial Archon. I'll delete Celestial Archon. We deleted him before. Yeah, I thought we just went right through deleting him. No, you're like garbled again. Oh, I'm sorry. What's up? What, what are you doing? What's wrong? How come you garble sometimes? Uh, Alright, you just garbled again, so repeat that. I live in an underwater environment. Really? Is it Atlantis? It is. It is. Who do you think is going to win the war between Atlantis and Wakanda? Wakanda. You think? Yeah. I'm rooting for Wakanda. But I'm not rooting for that, so I don't know. I mean... So, I mean, do you think, is that influenced by your pick versus, of T'Challa versus Namor? Yes. You think, you think just straight up T'Challa could take down Namor, just in mono and mono? No. <laughs> Alright, so, delete Celestial Archon, soft keep to Chain Rocks or firm keep? I, I think it's a firm keep. I, I like the card. It's, it, it, may, it may not be in standard. I mean, maybe it's a maybe it's a modern card, but I mean, it just it certainly seems very good. Yeah, I think it's pretty good in modern. Um, you know, combo horrific, but highly accessible. Yeah. All right, chosen uh, by Heliod. Have we seen this one before? We have not. Uh, so this is a uh, enchanted creature gets plus zero plus two for a white and one. A common, uh, an aura. And uh, when it enters the battlefield, draw a card. It's kind of sweet. That's a powerful ability. Yeah. Like we just we just said we weren't going to play instant plus two plus two until end of turn scry one. Hard pressed to see us playing this. I like drawing a card though. I do too. Now we didn't play um, O two. Defender, search for a basic. So, right. I mean, I think that that card's actually a little bit more powerful than this card. Yeah. So my my guess is we wouldn't play uh, plus O plus two draw a card. Yeah. Draw a card's a little less powerful than than find a basic. I I think and plus O plus two is way worse than O two. Yeah, and you know if this card if this card costs white, I could see people playing it in 
Dex. And, and just like the crazy hexproof decks just to like draw a card and keep their deck moving. But yeah, I'm not. I'm a deleter on this. I I'll delete this one with you. Okay. That, that's uh. Although it is, it is sort of the like you know very spreading seas like. Well, I mean, if you're gonna put it like that, <laughs> <laughs> sure. I'm not deleting it anymore. I was actually thinking about this. I was I was going over the uh, the modern results from Grand Prix Detroit yesterday. I haven't looked at the results today yet. And I'm like, well, you know, there's dominant strategies are like black green deck was okay, or uh, was it Willie Edel who called it Redless Rock? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So black green deck, and then rock, you know, just regular Jund, uh, Redless Jund. I'm sorry, no, not Redless Rock. So, um. And regular Jund is just like the crappiest Jund ever. It's like Jund with no <laughs> no blood braid off. I mean, is this? We made the top eight this weekend as well, by the way. Oh, I I did not I did not see the the, the full results as I told you. Yeah, Reed uh, Reed Duke made the finals but lost to Josh Clay. There were six Jund decks of some sort or another in the top eight. One Affinity and one Maliripod. and I believe Maliripod won, but I'm not sure. Is this not a room that is screaming for a spreading disease? I mean, like, screaming at the top of its lungs for a spreading disease? Yeah, no, the problem is that they, they just can thought seize that away from you if it's going to kill you. Um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like, thought seize seems to be the defining card there. But right, let's, get, let's get back to white here. Uh, talking about Dauntless Onslaught. Dauntless Onslaught. I, I haven't seen this card yet, but it sounds awesome. So it's 2W instant, up to two creatures, up to two target creatures, each get plus two, plus two until end of turn. So this is powerful but expensive. It is expensive, but it also triggers two heroic triggers if you are playing a deck that has heroic. But if you only got one guy, this is a battle-wise battler that doesn't scry. Correct. So one more map. Delete. Okay. I mean, we're certainly looking for cards that are capable of targeting new creatures if But we already have a couple cards that do that. What was up, Brian? What were we? What are we looking for? I'm so I'm sorry to all the Canadians at home. The the lecherous real life podcast will not have Brian's uh, broadcasting from Atlantis. What what did you say? I, I said that we you know if we're looking for cards that are capable of targeting two separate creatures and giving us two heroic triggers. We don't need to look here. We can look at a card like Martial Glory from Gate Crash, which hasn't seen play yet, but is capable of targeting two of your creatures. But I think you'll agree that Dauntless Onslaught is an awesome name for a card. It is. It absolutely is. It makes me think that this card would beat me up. And so I, I'm really disappointed by the fact that I would not actually be beaten up by this card. In fact, I would break the glasses of and kick down the stairs anyone who attempted to cast it. Griffin. Now, this sounds like a card that's kind of um, going to be caught in the wintertime, sticking its tongue to a frozen pole outside. Yeah, this card. This card's not not uh, going to be a... This is going to be a standard delete, but probably a card that will frustrate you in limited. <laughs> so, it's four and a W, so five total mana for a two-three flyer. Already, this is not a, <laughs> this is not a resume <laughs> that screams standard staple. Right. Um, but then but. it's... So repeatably, for one in a white, you can prevent the next one combat damage that will be dealt to you this turn. So it's only combat damage, it's only to you? 
Yeah. Like, I'm not even sure that I would be beaten up by this in one day. Alright, so we're deleting it for standard, right? Yeah, absolutely. Alright. Uh, we're also going to delete Divine Verdict, I think. I haven't read it yet. So Divine Verdict is... It's a, it's a reprint. We've seen this card before. Uh, 3W, instant, destroy target, attacking or blocking creature. Yeah, so that's way too expensive for a point removal in, in standard. Especially when we have Celestial Flare in M14 that still hasn't seen play at WW. It's seen some play, to be fair. and I, But I think its stock is going to go way down with the rotation of Snapcaster Mage and Augur of Bolas. Right. Um, Sons Champion, 4WW, for a Planeswalker Elsbeth, starting loyalty of 4, um, plus 1, put 3, 1, 1, Soldier Creature tokens onto the battlefield, so extremely powerful plus 1 defensive ability. Yeah. Minus 3, destroy all creatures with power 4 or greater. Potentially powerful... Um, there are certainly boards where this you can put this card into play, clear the board, and you still have a point of loyalty on Elspeth. Well, it's not just that. Like, you, there are certainly boards that you can get into where you play this, use the minus three. You still have a point of loyalty on Elspeth, keeping Elspeth, where you kill a bunch of their stuff, and you still got stuff. I think that, like, that's an important point that you can play absolutely. this asymmetrically. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then minus seven, you get an emblem with creatures you control, get plus two, plus two, and have flying. Incredibly not interesting or powerful uh, limit break ultimate on on Elspeth Sun's champion. You have to level her four, what, yeah, three, four times before you can do this, and four turns, right? She has to be in play for four turns. Right. Plus three, three times, puts her in seven. Fourth turn, you can do this, and then she's dead for like, I mean, what would you call that? It's like a collective blessing ish sort of a. Yeah. It, yeah, collective blessing is a fair. But it's just not interesting or powerful at all, given the amount of investment. Do you see any way to, like, pump your opponent's creatures and kill them with this card? Is there any, like, you know, uh, you know, like, trumpet, you know, trumpet blare or something that you could use on your opponent's creature to make them four or greater? Is there any way to abuse this card? Um, you know, we could... We could play a battle-wise Valor. <laughs> that would work. No, I mean, I, I think that she has potential upside on the, on the middle ability. And, uh, so you, you would actually only give this a soft key, right? I, I think it's pretty bad. The, uh, I mean, it's pretty bad, and I'm sure that I'll lose to Andrew Cuneo at some point playing this card. I mean, so I wouldn't delete it, but yeah, I was, I was fairly lukewarm to say the least about uh, the six-drop Garuk, right. these turned out to be quite good. But there's no way to break this one the way that you can... You, you can blatantly break Garuk by saving mana on the middle ability. Right. right? So, um, and so, I'm not going to delete it. it. I just really... But mostly you're saying get a foil one, put it in your cube, and, and move on. I, I would put this as horribly unenthused. What do you think? Uh, I, I'm, I'm interested in it. I, I'm interested in it. I, I don't... Uh... I don't love it. Is this like you're in high school and you look across the room at the sock hop yeah. and you might be interested in the Elspeth across the room and you might not. Uh, can I do better? I don't know. Yeah, this is exactly where, where I was going with this. You're interested if she shows interest first. Yeah. But if you're not, there, there are other fish. I was talking to her friend Chandra, but then somehow I just ended up with Elspeth. I don't know what happened. And it turns out she just wanted to buy the test 
the the test results for you. <laughs> oh, Brian, I heard you took Mrs. Meyer's math class last term. Can I interest you in plus two, plus two in flying? Yeah, I think about this card as we go on. So, but I, I, yeah, Softkeep is obviously going to see play somewhere, uh, mostly in Andrew Cuneo decks. Uh, and uh, it's going to most likely, the card most likely will give you a fake phone number. Oh, I've gotten fake names as well. Yeah. So, uh, Afaro's Warden, moving on to uh, four mana for a one, two common human cleric that can tap target a creature with power for three or less. I'm going to assume that this is a delete of the first order. I mean, this is just atrocious for Constructed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, are there even players, like newbie players, who are somehow naive enough to summon this creature? I mean, you know, I'm sure there's some stuff in the, like, anything goes, beginner's room or something, but... Yeah, this this is bad. Evangel of Heliod. Uh, 4WW for a 1-3. Not enthusiastic stats. Maybe the text will make up for it. Human quick. When Evangel of Heliod enters battlefield, put a number of 1-1 white soldier creature tokens onto the battlefield equal to your devotion to white. So, you know, it comes in for 3 power. Is what it's saying. So like 3-5 for 6, potentially? Sort of, yeah. But if you've got, like, an actual Heliod, if you've got, like, some two drops at WW, you started on, on W. I mean, this is not a kind of card that the the classic or or prototypical Craig Wesco deck is going to want to play. It's too expensive for that. Um, who 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 wants to play this kind of card? Someone who was, like, in, in a past life was a green-white tokens person, uh, a Martin Yuza. Who, who are you who are you targeting I, this card? I don't even, I don't even know, like... I, I don't. I, I think this is a, uh, a delete. You just think it's a delete. I just think it's a delete. Wow. I mean, I wasn't going to go there, but you know, if, uh, if the Pro Tour historian wants to defeat Elangelo Heliod, wait, you said this is a Matt Sperling card? No, I said hold this card up against Master of Waves. Oh, okay. I you can see where I went with Matt Sperling on that one. Not really, but I mean, I'm willing to go with you. Yeah. All right, so uh, Master of Waves comparison in white from the man who lives underwater. Fabled Hero, 1WW for a 2-2. Human Soldier, double strike. It's actually pretty close to just that, right? Yeah, that's that's a pretty close play. I mean, that's, you know, like, that's a Silver Blade Paladin by itself, right? Like, it's an unpaired Silver Blade Paladin that gets double strike. Yeah, I think it's interesting you say it's an un- unpaired Silver Blade Paladin. I think a large proportion of Silver Blade Paladins actually were unpaired. In the in the red-white-blue deck, they were unpaired quite often. The deck only has, like, 15 dudes, and three of them were Silver Blade Paladins. But, but, but unpaired, it doesn't have double strike. This one just has double strike. Yeah, so I think this is fairly solid. Um, you know, obviously not over the top at 1WW for a 2-2 double strike. But then the heroic, you know, you could heroic it up the immediately, and all of a sudden it's kind of like six damage. Yeah, I mean, imagine if you put a, uh, uh, you know, the the armadillo cloak. Yeah. I was thinking if you put unflinching courage on this, yeah. that boosts fabled hero to four four, and then with heroic, um, five five. That's like ten damage. Like, um, that's that's pretty powerful. Well, what if you just 
did something crazy and put Troll Hide on it. But I would involve me playing Troll Hide. Yeah, generate. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that we're gonna keep Fabled Hero. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is this is a keep. I certainly, I certainly expect to see this in a deck deck at the front door. Favored Hoplite. W for a 1-2. Creature, human, soldier. Heroic. Whenever you cast a spell that targets favorite hoplite, put a plus one, plus one counter on favorite hoplite. And prevent all damage that would be dealt to it this turn. So This card? I'm going there, Mike. It's a bloodbath waiting to happen. So it is a bloodbath waiting to happen. It is. Um, For the opponent's blocker. Yeah. This is a mini bloodbath. It is an interesting card, I actually have to say. It's uh, it's so powerful on the second turn, right? Yeah, like, like the turn you cast Ranker on it. There's no Ranker anymore, just to be clear. Yeah. Ranker is rotating, it yeah? doesn't matter. Ethereal armor. I put my Ethereal armor on it. So it gets big. It becomes a 2-3, then it becomes a 3-4 from the armor. And even if you had a block... Get out of my damn way. Your block's not going to work because it's not going to take any damage. Yeah, this is a sweet creature. I think it's going to be an interesting study in deck design over the next two years, how we see the heroic mechanic being utilized by deck designers and aggressive decks. Because we have not in the past had, um, had a model for... Beatdown creatures, buff cards, and lands, right? We've seen yeah, beatdown yeah. creatures removal in lands as, like, the 2020 and, and variations on the 2020. But um, it, this is really interesting because buff cards are really terrible without creatures to put, put on them. And a lot of these creatures with heroic, while still serviceable, are not really constructive quality without the heroic mechanic, right? Right. So, I mean, like, if, if someone said to you, favorite hoplite, W for a 1-2, Creature Human Soldier, no heroic mechanic, I mean, you'd be like, yeah, I'm not going to play this. But once you factor the heroic mechanic in, some very interesting conversations you can start to have. Here's a challenge for people out there, by the way. I'm just saying that if you get a favorite hoplite and a clock spinning, you can go to work. How, how How would they get a clock spinning? All right. Gift of Immortality, we talked about before. Enchantment Aura for a 2 and a W. Enchant Creature. When Enchanted Creature dies, return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. Return Gift of Immortality to the battlefield attached to that creature at the beginning of the next end step. Um, so we said we were going to keep this previously, yeah? Yeah, I, I like it a lot less since I thought about it. Uh... I, I think that uh, the fact that it offers no bonus, you know, I, I don't know how to value uh, its contribution to heroic, but, like, the fact that it just doesn't offer, like, a, a, you know, a, a bonus to the creature just seems, it just seems a little, like, do-nothing to me. To me, um, I, I, I would save Gift from Mortality, and um, I have a little bit of a different frame of reference, maybe, so... Uh, I don't know if you remember, like, back in 2000, um, I was playing mono-white control deck, made a ton of top eights and PTQ level with it, where I only played, like, seven creatures or something. Right. But I played a bunch of, like, Chomano's Blessing, because, like, you really want to just keep those creatures alive. 
And if you, you, you could play a deck where, you know, you have some key creature or a small number of creatures only in your deck, and you just really want to keep them alive, and you're playing against an opponent who's got, like, a ton of removal spells, but maybe they're predominantly sorcery speed removal spells. Card like Gift of Immortality, which, you know, gives you a window to enchant the creature, but, you know, they don't necessarily right. kill it in response. It's super annoying for the opponent who who's playing on on this kind of removal based uh, based defense plan. So I I also don't know off the top of my head an obvious deck that it will be played in, but I can imagine scenarios where it would be a profitable card to play based on my previous experience of being successful with weird looking cards. Right. I could I could also see this card be played in some kind of deck which is looking to like. Uh, do some kind of weird Revelar tricks or set up some sort of, like, just board-dominating loop, you know, but... It would be multi-turn, though. That's why I Yeah, yeah, exactly. Weird. I mean, that's and that's the problem I see with, with this, is, like, first, I get it on my guy, like, okay, uh, what if I, you know, first, now my guy has to die, right? My creature has to die. It can't be, you know, which is not a great to be in but, like, it can't be exiled. It can't be bounced. Like, I, I don't like this card. I'm, I'm, I'm actually a deleter. So you're moving to delete on Gift of Immortality. I am. All right. I'm going to stay on save, but I, I like I said before, I I can't easily summon up a deck off the top of my head that this is going to go. So um, Glare of Heresy is a card that uh, was spoiled immediately after the last time we, we spoke about some Theros cards uh, by me. I was the one who spoiled it uh, on on uh, Daily MTG, but we weren't able to talk about it previously. I think this card is insane. Yeah, I do. So uh, it's a sorcery for one in white, exile target white permanent. I would go so far as to say that Heliod is the worst of the gods of the god cycle simply because Glare of Heresy exists. Right. So, um... The God Cycle are all indestructible enchantments, uh, and as far as I know, Glare of Heresy is the only one that just out and out kills one yeah, of its gods. Exactly. There's, there's another card that uh, that exiles an enchantment, right? Um, is it also white? It's not white, no. Okay. Um, but I mean, I, I would just say the presence of Glare of Heresy actually just makes Heliod the weakest of the of the gods. Would you agree? I agree. I agree. It's- Repeat everything after your agreement. Uh, going back to uh, the, the land cycle with the yeah. Skylands, um, I think that there's going to be a real pressure for people to want to be able to get these types of cards, there's a whole cycle of them, into their sideboards. And I could see a deck that, a card that's giving you white mana, like the, like the red-white one or the black-white one, seeing more play in a deck that's maybe not necessarily trying to get those two colors as their main strategy. That's a really interesting insight. I mean, so the presence of some of these really, really, like we said, we think there might be a slowdown in standard. Right. You're gaining time, um, and then uh, to to develop strategies that decks like Naya Blitz denied you previously. You have tools like Glare of Heresy and other specialized, powerful uh, surgical tools. And these Scrylands and other Scry cards, abilities, etc., are going to let you put those things together, even in kind of like counterintuitive ways. Right. Well, they let you. They let you not only 
pay for the card, but they also help you either find it or push it when it's not appropriate, right? I think pushing it when it's not appropriate is actually, that's probably a bigger deal than, than most people are thinking about at this stage. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 uh, yeah, I don't think this card's going to have a big impact on, on standard. Uh, next card is Dom's Dwelling, which is the card we've already talked about. I think it's the best white card. <laughs> that's really strong. I, I, uh, I, I think it's the best one, and maybe I'll change my mind by the time we're done with this, with this round. But it's just insane to me. Uh, certainly going to be a staple card if there's a heroic, if, if there's a white heroic deck too. I, I think if there's like a green white deck, that God's willing, it's like a three of or something. It's sure. pretty standard play. Like, but if you're if you're playing a deck that's like got the favorite top light, the fabled hero. And maybe another heroic creature. Like, aren't you going to want this card in that deck? I mean, so, say you go, like, first turn favorite hoplite, your opponent plays, like, some potential blocker, upkeep, God's willing, heroic my guide at 2-3, give him protection from the color of that blocker, fix the top of my library to give me, like, another buff card, yeah. play my land, buff my guy a second time, and just crush you for, like, six damage on turn two. Is that what you're saying? That would be insane. So we, we don't have this as a, as a key. I mean, how high do you have this card in, in white? Uh, I have it as an enabler, not as much. Like, I don't have it over... I like Favorite Hotplay more than it. I like Glare of Heresy more than it. I like Glare of Heresy second. I like this card way more than Favorite Hotplay. God's willing to go in green-white decks, not just in, in white decks. Right. And, um... Gilead, God of the Sun. And this is like the obvious card most people think is like the best white card, though, right? It's it's very good, but like it's good. But you think that uh, you think Glare of Heresy makes this a little a little worse? I think all the gods and all the gods' weapons are pretty good, right? And or pretty good or better. And I think that Heliod's weapon's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah. And I think Heliod's quite good, and I think that you could probably build a pretty intuitive deck that would make Heliod look really good really quickly. You yeah. know, like, drop, drop, Heliod's weapon, Heliod, you know, anything. And you've got, you've got a, quite, quite an intuitive setup there for a deck that's probably good enough to go X and 2 or better in a lot of tournaments, um, even on week one. And I think God's Willing is better than him. I think like Heliod's going to get bounce scryed a lot. I, I agree. I think I think that the bounce scry card is going to because of the gods again. Yeah. Things that exile and things that bounce and things that counter are all going to be super important in terms of when you're looking at weapons to fight someone who's playing a god. And just like he's going to get bounce scryed, he's going to get like counter scryed on the way back down. The blue cards are really exciting to me. Yeah. I mean. Uh, we're talking about those in person where we get all lectures on. Very, I mean, <laughs> some of these blue cards excite me in ways that the white cards don't, if you know what I mean. Like, like a Heliod's emissary? I mean, excite you, very much. you see what Heliod's carrying over one of his shoulders? <laughs> that's how I feel about the blue cards. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Heliod's emissary, I think we've already deleted this card. It's the elk? Yeah. I mean, how seriously can you take an elk? Not very, not very seriously. Alright, so uh, let's, let's at least say what Heli- Heliod and his emissary are, right? So Heliod, God of the Sun, and Heliod's emissary are both three and white. But that's got to tell you something about how good the emissary is. 
Heliod is a legendary enchantment, god, creature, 5-6, indestructible, but he's only a creature as long as your devotion to white is 5 or greater, right? When I first read that, I thought it was like, oh my god, you can't even kill him if you have the devotion to white. <laughs> Actually, no, that's not how it works at all. He's just like a a 2-WW to make little dorks if uh yeah. if you don't if you don't have devotion to white fire grade, which is actually not bad. Yeah, he's just a mobilization. Yeah, um but he's you know a super efficient uh hard to kill creature if uh if you have sufficient devotion. Um obviously he's gonna be a staple of standard. I'm nothing to take away from Heliod. I just happen to like God's will anymore. Um Heliod's emissary is an elk. Can't take it seriously. Um, he's got bestow of uh, seven, so six and W. So you can play him as a as a creature enchantment. Um, he's a three three, or he gets plus three plus three uh, to whoever he's enchanting. Uh, but he also has the ability to uh, tap a creature and opponent controls when either him or the creature he attacks uh, enchants. Sorry, attacks. So, but he's a clear delete for standard. Yeah. All right, so hopeful Eidolon. We haven't seen Eidolon since Dissension. Yeah, this is a 1-1 one, one for 1. Uh, bestow 3W, lifelink. Uh, yeah, this card seems whatever. So he's a 1-1 one, one lifelink for 1, or if you're bestowing him for 4, he gives plus 1, plus 1, and lifelink yeah. to a creature. Yeah. You don't like it? No. I like it a lot. Really? Yeah. Really? I would drop this guy on one. Sure. I mean... I, I, can, see, I can see playing it, certainly. I just... Again, I feel like there's just going to be better options. I mean, your goal in life is to build devotion now. I mean, what 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 one drops are you going to pick over him? Okay. Is, is there, like, a still a Savannah Lions in M14? Well, there's a Savannah Lions in this set. Uh, I mean, I guess, I guess there's Dried Melton, right? Yeah, I mean, I, there's one in this in this set as well. I mean, dried Milton is it clear? Dried Milton's better than this guy. Yes. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Peace always said that he only won some match in modern because he had dried Milton in his deck. Yeah. So maybe that's true. And that's yeah. in modern. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think hopeful Eidolon is better than you think that he is. I I, I don't want to delete him. I think he's okay. a keeper. Right. I'm I'm fine with a soft save on a, on a creature. I, I respect the one drops. Hundred handed one, on the other hand, I, I mean, he has monstrosity. Like anything with monstrosity is supposed to be cool, right? Yeah. You, you're going to keep him. Yeah, I guess we can keep him. I don't want to. You do or you don't. I don't. I would rather keep hopeful Eidolon than hundred handed. All right, one. then hopeful Eidolon, you're in. Your optimism is being rewarded. Hundred handed one. Well, you got a hundred hands. I'm sure you'll find something to do. Get out of here. <laughs> I mean, he's a 3-5 for 4 with some upside. I guess he can't be that bad. But, I mean, like, standard dollar bins are littered with theoretically efficient 4-mana creatures. Like, it's just... Nobody summoned an Urnum Jin when they reprinted him in Odyssey Block. Right. Yeah, no. Uh, Laguna Band Elder. Uh, this is a common creature. A 3-2 for 3-mana. Creature Centaur Advisor. When it enters the battlefield, if you control the champion, you gain three life. So it's kind of like uh, Centaur Healer. But really bad. But much worse. Yeah, so goodbye. Uh, last Breath is a reprint. So Last Breath, uh, reprint, uh, one and a white instant. 
Exile target creature with power two or less. Its controller gains four life. It's a reprint twice, right? It, yeah. It was last seen, I want to say, in um, in Mask's block, but I, that wasn't the first time it was it was shown, was it? I don't. I don't. I honestly don't remember. I think it's a two X reprint, and it it was an important card to me back in in Mask's block days. You could use it to kill an opponent's Ramosian Sergeant. Um, I, I don't know if there's a creature strategic enough as Ramosian Sergeant to make Last Breath a worthy a worthy asset today. Are there, are there any uh, any of the gods? No, they all have. Do they all have high enough power that this doesn't matter? Um, I, I think the blue one might be small. So Thrasa is. Let's see. Rasa is a 5-5. Five, five. Yeah, so it's a 5-5 five, five for 3. So I'm guessing that if the blue one is that yeah, <laughs> that big, that we're not killing a lot of gods with this. I, I mean, I, I, I would just go back to keep. It's going to find some corner case where it's playing ball, but, you know, it's a soft keep sideboard card. I mean, it's it, if uh, if Hopeful Eidolon uh, makes us hopeful, you know, giving somebody 4 life, we might have to think twice about it. So we're going to lean on Snarecast, lean on Snarecast for white W uh, for 2-1, common creature, tap soldier, when it enters the battlefield, you may tap target creature. Uh, probably a, sta- you know, a limited, you know, staple, probably not a big deal in Constructed. Um, how does this compare to uh, the 2-1 that's like a, a blind obedience in in M14. Just way worse. Way worse. <laughs> yeah, way worse. Yeah. Instead of tapping all their creatures, it taps one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. I think I might play them both. Yeah, I could see playing them both, but I mean, there just seems to be better options to me. I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm, I'm, I'm open to a soft keep, but... I mean, I love, like, just... This is, like, so Mana War-ish, you know? Not that anyone has summoned an effing Man of War, and it was, like, legal for two years or something. I mean, I, I took so many of the of the Man of War in, like, what is it, M11? Yeah. I loved that guy then, but yeah, maybe this, maybe I'm kidding myself that, that yeah. this would ever see play in, in standard. Uh, observant, Alcyon, uh, so 2-2, two, two, 3 mana. So we're deleting Leon and Snarecaster, to be sweet. Okay. Uh, this is an enchantment creature with bestow 4 W. Uh, enchanted creature gets plus 2, plus 2, and has vigilance. And this has vigilance as 2-2. Two, two. garbage. Yeah. Uh, 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 white and a W. Uh, white and a 1 for an enchantment or enchanted, whatever enchanted creature attacks. Put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on it. Then if it has three or more plus one, plus one counters on it, sacrifice or deal with Heliod. When you sacrifice or deal with Heliod, you gain ten life. I don't like this that much. I, th- I mean, Ordeal of Perforos is such a more attractive card yeah. to me than this. Yes, I mean, it'd be pretty interesting if there's an empty So, for example, you, know, you think about, like, Billy's uh, Hatching Clan stack. Uh, Billy plans. You remember, you know, so like, you know, if you actually just sacrifice the ordeal to some other means, you get to do that. Which is kind of interesting. But yeah, but, I mean, the, the way I look at it is like, delete. the big payoff on Ordeal of Heliod is gaining 10 life, right? 
you only care about gaining ten life against like one kind of strategy, really. I, I'm fine deleting. And like, you wouldn't want to put a fast creature enchantment as your way to gain ten life, and like you're just exposing it to point removal way before you would ever get to the point of gaining ten life. Right. Now, obviously, if you want to play your favorite hoplite on turn one and then play. Ordeal of Heliod on him on turn two. He's going to buff up to two three. Attack the first time and be three four already on his first attack, which is actually insane. I, I actually think that Ordeal of Heliod might be, you know, a frontline buff card in white heroic strategy. So I don't want to believe it. Okay. Like, think about it. Like, yeah. it's sweet on Hoplite, ish. But then you're like sacrificing it. Yeah, it kills a 2-3, attack, and attacks is a 3-4. Yeah. It's just... I, I I wish I would get anything but sacrificing it for 10 life. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I'm killing you, I'm killing you, I'm killing you. Game 10! And what's, what's, kinda, what's nice is the counters stay on even when the enchantment's gone. So. You know, uh, oh, 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 actually... That's bad, then. Why is that? Whenever enchanted creature attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. If you're buffing something for heroic, it's already going to have two counters. Uh, so you play it on turn, turn, on turn two. It buffs it, plus it one, plus one. Then you attack and it gets a counter. Yeah. And then next turn you attack and it gets a counter and you sacrifice it. Yeah. But you've already gotten those three counters. And yeah. And like the creature. Okay. I, I guess the word bad is relative. Yeah, yeah. A card I'm much more excited about. I, I, I can see a soft keep on the ordeal. Yeah, I don't think I would delete it just because who knows what the right creature enchantment slash instant slash whatever mixes for buffing things in a universe of heroic. Balance. I mean, obviously we want to play with heroic cards, so. Balance leader. Let's talk about this card. Like what a human soldier for 1-1, one, one, but it has heroic. Whenever you cast a spell that targets balance leader, Put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. Like anyone would want to play this. Yeah, I love this card. It's just like a crusade man, yeah? Yeah, I love this card. Oh, it's like perms, though. It's like way better than just a regular crusade man. Yeah. Yeah, this card seems really sweet to me. He's like pretty buff looking. Yeah. I guess he's like so buff with plus one, plus one counters that he doesn't even need to wear a shirt. Uh... So we're keeping Valance Leader. Keep, keep, keep. Rave Dissolution, is this a keep or is this... Instant for 2W, destroy target enchantment, you gain 3 life. I mean, it's only enchantment. If this were enchantment or artifact, I would think a little bit harder on it, but... I feel like there's just better options. Yeah, I mean, it's just poo. Yeah. I mean, like... Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, would you? How often would you want to play this instead of just like an O-ring for the same amount? Yeah, I don't this card. Uh, delete it. Scholar of Etheros or Ethreos is a two W creature human cleric. It's a one four, and for two and a B, each opponent loses one life, and you gain life equal to the life lost this way. It doesn't matter what rating we give this. Will pop. This is like four of in every deck you play for the next two right. years. So everyone but Will Pop will delete it. Yeah. Will Pop Will Pop will buy all of your sets of Scholar of Ethros yeah. for I one know. USD. Yeah. 
It's a passive battle priest with one W for a human cleric with heroic. Whenever you cast a spell at target, the battle priest you gain two life. So one three, and it's a W. No battlefield impact at all with its heroic. None. None. It's it's about as heroic as uh, a coward, <laughs> which can't block warriors. Yeah, this is a delete. So it's Hessen Griffin. Let's I'm see. Tell if... you right now, it has the word Griffin in it, so it's almost for certain it'll be a delete. <laughs> Hessen Griffin. Let's see if he backs up his battle priests. <laughs> uh, let's see. Four W for a three two. Not writing home on those stats yet. Yeah. Flying 2GG, Stetson Griffin gets plus 2, plus 2 until end of turn. Activates his ability only once each turn. Oh, because having 8 mana, 4 of which yeah. would just be such a threat in Constructed. Yeah, I don't even understand that. Just, just let me have some fun. <laughs> I mean, this is just... This is the worst of the Stetson Battle Priest. Yeah. Uh, Silent Artisan uh, is also deleted. Just a vanilla 3-5 giant 5-5 mana. He's um, an artisan. I mean, like... <laughs> oh, sounds good, but... Uh, soldier of the Pantheon. Protection from multicolored. Whenever an opponent casts a multicolored spell, you gain one life. 2-1. Yeah, this card is un-effing believable. White for a 2-1. So he's already Savannah Lions-level creature. Yeah. And Savannah Lions was... Has won a lot of games of Magic the Gathering, yeah. okay, over the course of the last 20 years. I mean, I think that they're buddies. I think Dry Militant's like, look, I know we don't get along personally, yeah. but I could work with you and we could do great things together. Great things being defined as being in a white weenie deck. It's not like we're talking about, you know, a fact or fiction here, but uh, this, this card is hands down, slam dunk. The best white one drop in the set, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's insane. I mean, he just like crushes a dried Milton. Crushes. I think, be, I think it might be the I think it might be the best card in white, actually. I mean, it crushes uh, it crushes a burning tree emissary. Is it just like fearlessly holds off a Boros Reckoner? Yeah, no, yeah, this card, this card's fantastic. Um. Spirophilia. So keep, keep, we're yeah. keeping Soldier of the Pantheon? Yeah. Spirophilia, uh, this is also one of the best cards in the set, right? I think this card's excellent. It, it, the, so Spirophilia is white, white, one for a legendary enchantment artifact. Uh, creatures you control get plus one, plus one. So, But for the fact that it's legendary, we're starting out with a Glorious Anthem. Right. Now, in addition, it has the ability one, white, white. So again, repeating its, its casting cost, tap. Destroy target creature that dealt damage to you this turn. It, it's like a weird Swiss army knife of cards. So it's like both a glorious anthem and like Vraska. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's just fantastic. It's a really strong card. The question is how many are you going to play? Are you going to play four? No. Oh, that's a good question. Do you play one? I mean, you want cards like this that have. Probably, probably two. Two? Yeah, keep in mind, again, assuming we have a Spryer deck, we can find it. Yeah, I don't think that the, the decks that have Spear of Heliod are going to play a lot of Scry. That's, that's, uh, that's the caveat that I have. I think that you're going to see a lot of basic planes, maybe some Muta Vaults um, in those decks, uh, and less Scry than we would in some other strategies. I mean, could be wrong. 
Um, you might you might be right. I mean, unless maybe the red white deck. You know, uh, uh, is Slayer Stronghold still legal? Uh, that is Slayer Stronghold's an Innistrad card. Yeah, so I'm so forget about Slayer Stronghold strategy. So I, I think the white the white deck is going to play a lot of planes. Want to play a lot of devotion to white. Yeah. Consistently open on Soldier Pantheon or Dryad Militant, or and this card, this card helps your, your devotion pretty nicely. Absolutely, first turn uh, Soldier Pantheon, yeah. Second turn Phalanx, maybe not Phalanx. I don't know if you want to play those buffs. You know, Spirit Fuel in third turn, Slam Down five six on the fourth turn. Um, so deleting Traveling Philosopher, Vanquish the Foul. Five, six total mana sorcery. Sword target creature power four, greater scry one, delete, too expensive. Yeah, exactly. Wings the rider, uh, I think it's a soft keep on the heroic deck. Two, two, flying for three, heroic, uh, plus one, plus one counter on him. I, 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 I have a soft delete on him. I don't, I don't, sure. I don't think he's. Practice squad. Practice squad, fine. Uh, and then Yoke Ox is a W04 for a W. I, I don't know. You think he can't? He can't just like eat some sideboard space. If you want to, I I don't see it. Like, Isn't there like a Kraken that people play in blue decks? Sometimes, but mostly in limited. I don't know. Okay. I, I don't like it. Um, I'm gonna put you on put you on the spot. Yep. For white, what's number one? Uh, I, I think it's probably Soldier of Pantheon, uh, followed by Spear of Heliod, followed by Heliod, then God's Willing, and then Glare of Heresy. Um, and then I, I have a soft spot for heroic decks, but uh, I don't, uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know that they're quite like windmill slam cards. I think they're pretty narrow. So I, I I'm gonna have to disagree with you. I, I have God's Willing. Well above Soldier you know, Pantheon. I know you do. Uh, God's Willing first. I think Spear of Heliod second. Okay. I think Spear of Heliod's really quite good. Um, and then uh, Glare of Heresy, I think, is is really exceptional. Uh, and then Heliod and and uh, Soldier of the Pantheon rounding out my five. So we have very similar cards. Just, yeah, just different. But, um, yeah, I mean, Soldier Pantheon, to me... He's good. He's really good. Don't get me wrong. But he's just a guy. I can almost guarantee you that card will get me a feature in a uh, deck tag in Delta. No doubt that Soldier of the Pantheon is going to be played to top eight, top eight glory over the course of the next two years. The reason I like God's Willing is I think that it will be played not just in white decks, but in yeah. other strategies, and it's going to be a really, really strong, uh, strong contributor to those strategies. All right. Yeah, we're going to meet sometime in the future where you don't sound like this. Blah, 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 blah. I apologize, but I, yeah, in the meantime, I got to run right now. But uh, we'll be back with more Company Magic. Cool. So thanks for making the time, Brian. So this will be up for Monday on Managed Pride. Yeah.